and um, um, we were going to do Philippines, but for various reasons we're not going to do that. But what we're going to do over the next few weeks is we're going to um, really, I'm just giving uh, the, the people who are going to be speaking just a, a level of, of freedom to preach what's on their heart. Um, and their knowledge of the church. And so and that's what I'm going to do this morning. Um, so I'm just going to, uh, you know, that's where we're going. And so this morning we're, uh, oh yeah, that's what I was going to say. I was just going to say, um, so for some of us, New Day doesn't mean very much. But for me, New Day itself doesn't mean a huge amount. But I did go to an equivalent thing 30 years ago plus. Uh, the Downs Bible Week. And I went there probably from the ages of 12 to about 21. Um, I remember being baptised in the Spirit there. I remember um, understanding grace there. I remember understanding um, uh, just the church and the, God's purpose for the church there. I remember falling in love with the church there. And I remember reaching across, at the time, lots of Lots of barriers to to find God there, and uh, um, I went at a time when I think I was, um, you know, when I went to the sort of youth work, there were maybe two thousand young people, and there were three black young people, and I was one of them, um, uh, and so that was always a bit odd. But but what I did was I I found God, and that was the thing that kept taking me back there. So, and I realised that 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 whole experience shaped the way that I now live and the way, that, the way that I view the church and the way that I view grace and the way I view my own walk with God was shaped by those experiences and um, shared many of them with Phil, actually, and many of them with Pauline, actually, as, as, as time went on. And she saw me across the crowded room. Um, not quite like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was there. Yeah. <laughs> it was one-eyed love. Mine to have. Um, so, so it's good for us to pray for our young people. Um, one of the biggest differences between New Day and, say, when I went to the Downs Bible Week would be, apart from the fact that New Day is a youth event which is bigger than the Downs Bible Week began, um, and it's just, just a youth event, but one of the differences is that New Day has far more young people in it who don't come from church backgrounds at all. Uh, whereas, whereas at the Downs, it was mainly just the kids of the people that were there. And nowadays, we take young people to New Day who, who, don't, who don't know about Jesus. They don't know about the Holy Spirit. Uh, they're no respecters of those types of events. They've just been invited along. And that's where, that's where the potential is for quite an, quite an amazing work of God. The amount of those young people that are coming more and more to New Day and, and our ability as an event to engage with them and to help them to, to see God. So... Um, think about that this week. I go to New Day on Wednesday along with Phil, Jen, Rogers, a number of us are going up. Um, so yeah. Okay, so we're not doing Philippines, but, but, but it, it, it's right to say that the idea behind Philippines was one of pressing on, pressing on with God and still going with God. And, and, and in a sense, it's that that I do want to speak into um, Pressing on in faith through prayer. So it's really simple. And um, I'm reading, I'll be reading from Psalm 143. 
uh, and this is what it says, just, just the brief headline. Lord, hear my prayer. Listen to my cry. Answer me quickly, Lord. Answer me quickly. So if you've got a Bible, it will come up. If you've got a Bible, it's, it's Psalm 143. I'm just going to read the psalm. Lord, hear my prayer. Listen to my cry for mercy. In your faithfulness and righteousness, come to my relief. Do not bring your servant into judgment, for no one living is righteous before you. The enemy pursues me. He crushes me to the ground. He makes me dwell in the darkness like those long dead. So my spirit grows faint within me. My heart within me is dismayed. I remember the days of long ago. I meditate on all your works and consider what your hands have done. I spread out my hands to you. I thirst for you like a parched land. Answer me quickly, Lord. My spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, or I will be like those who go down to the pit. Let the morning bring word, bring me word of your unfading love, for I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go, for to you I entrust my life. Rescue me from my enemies, Lord, for I hide myself in you. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. For your name's sake, Lord, preserve my life in your righteousness. Bring me out of trouble. In your unfailing love, silence my enemies. Destroy all my foes, for I am your servant. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for your spirit. And I thank you that the combination of word and spirit is what grows the church. It's what grows us individually. It's what helps us to see you bigger and better. It's what causes us to die to self daily. And so I pray that that combination in these moments will prove powerful and effective to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Over the last few months, just as we've sort of gathered uh, together in this new place, we've sensed his presence increasingly among us. We're, we're passionate about preaching his word and, and seeing that as an essential part of what we do. Uh, we see opportunities to respond to the Spirit and the, and the Word of God as vital for growing in faith and remaining open to the power and work of the Spirit in our lives. And uh, I'm really keen that over the summer we don't lose that because like, we go on holiday or everything seems to stop. Um, and you can almost think that you can have this sort of term-time relationship with God where you know, in September you and God will say hi again and uh, you'll just get back on track, and God, you okay? Yeah, you had a good holiday? Yeah, I've had a good holiday. Um, but really, it doesn't have to be like that with God. Um, it can be like that, but it doesn't have to be like that with God. Uh, particularly, it doesn't have to be like that with God if your relationship with God is not dependent on the, uh, on the sort of ebb and flow of the way life seems to work. Yeah? So if your relationship with God is dependent on, well, during term time, they've got prayer meetings, I go to church and I go this and I do that and I do all those things. When a holiday comes, I don't know what to do. Yeah? It, you know, I, I don't, I'm not married to Pauline in that type of way. You know, when I'm on holiday, I don't know what to do. But, but in the ebb and flow of everyday life, it's easy because there's structure. And so I'm, I'm keen for us to keep pressing on. 
to keep God central. And one of the ways that we can do that is through prayer. That prayer is something you can do. You can engage with it. You know, I recognize the need for rest, recuperation, relaxation. I do all of those things. You know, I can do them quite well. Yeah, I can rest pretty well. I can relax. It doesn't take me long to sit in front of the telly and to fall asleep. It does, it's, it's nice. Yeah, but that doesn't need to be my attitude towards God. And in fact, the summer can be a great time for just drawing close to him and just finding you've got a bit more time, a bit more space. You know, I'd recommend read something different. If, you, if you're reading the Bible, maybe turn to something different. Find a new book to read. For, for years now, I've been, um, over the summer, I take a different book uh, and, I, and I sort of read through it slowly. I get up, even when we're on holiday, almost the same time that I get up every other day. So that's like half five, six o'clock, and I'm not suggesting you do that. But I'll get up, I'll go downstairs or wherever, wherever we are, and I'll have all my books there and my notepads and then whatever, and I'm praying and I'm reading, and I spend the whole of my holiday doing that. Simply because, even before I was a pastor, so it's not because, oh, well, you're a pastor then, so you're going to do that. No, I did that even when I, even when I was sad like that. Yeah, I, I always did that. Um, and so I just want to encourage you, because that's the time to press on. That's the time to do the, um, I don't know how many of you, are, uh, you know, know anything about sport or rugby or football, whatever it is, but you hear stories of people like uh, Johnny Wilkinson, who was, who was a, a great England rugby player, and, and if you like, he, he won the World Cup for England 10 years ago. And what you heard about him, um, the stories that came out was, was when practice was over, he was still out practicing. So when everyone was back in the locker room and they were all going for drinks, he's practicing taking penalties. He's practicing and practicing and practicing so that when it really came to take penalties under pressure, he could do it. It wasn't any different to him. So in the World Cup 2003, Wilkinson takes a penalty in the last minute. If he, if he gets the penalty over, England win the World Cup. If he doesn't, they lose. For him, it doesn't mean yeah, it was a big thing, but he's like, I've done this a million times. To another player who only ever practiced during practice times, suddenly the pressure's on. Yeah? And there are a number of players you found that do that, a number of the sports stars that make it to the very top. It wasn't, it wasn't just luck. It wasn't that they looked the, right, they looked the part. It was that they had devoted themselves to something. You find that with Elijah. Yeah? Now, we, don't, we can't say huge amounts about Elijah, but what we can say about him is, is clearly he was a man who spent time with God. Yeah? So when he stood on Carmel and he was, he was bringing people to the point where they had to choose, it wasn't like he was going, oh, I really hope God turns up today. He knew God was going to turn up. He'd been there before. In the private secret place, he had proved that God was real and that God would, God would come. The summer, in, in a tiny way, is a bit like that for us. It's a time to press on with God. Yeah? When lots of people, lots of Christians will be taking holiday, chilling out, da-da-da-da-da, and they'll get back to all the stuff next term. This is a time for you to engage with God, to press on in faith through prayer. And so that's one of the reasons why, you know, we came up, we had a sort of an elders meeting, and a, and a few other guys were there, and um, uh, I think it was John Blanchard who said that we, should, we, should, we shouldn't slow down over this, we, we should keep meeting, we should keep praying. And rather than me go, oh my goodness, another meet, I was like, oh yeah, I'd love us to do that, to keep going. Now for various reasons, I'm not around for all of them, but, but <laughs> yeah. everyone that I'm around for, I'll be at. 
because I see the importance of coming together to pray. And, I, I'm, and I'm telling you that that's what I do over the summer and I will do the same again. You see, as a church, and, I, and I'm, not, I'm not just trying to be funny, we pray more than we've ever done. Yeah? There are loads of occasions where you can access prayer here. As elders, we pray on a Tuesday morning. Thursday morning, I meet with other church leaders to pray. Once a month on a Tuesday, we pray. There are different prayer groups. We pray before the meeting on a Sunday. I wake up in the morning and I pray. I go and meet people to pray. I then come to the office and I pray. So I'm not just saying that, oh, look at me, I pray. But we pray lots. Yeah? We pray lots. And the more I pray, the more I realize I need to pray more. Yeah? Now, that's not to say, oh, my goodness, are you just going to go around like this all the time? <laughs> just praying all the time, everywhere you go. I'm just praying, just praying to God. But, uh, no, because prayer, what the prayer does is it, is it reminds me of my need of him. It opens me up to his ways in my life. It makes me open to God. And through it, he speaks to me. He speaks very clearly in different ways. So, so, so that's why we come to pray. I don't come to pray because... Um, you know, I just think, oh, it's great, maybe everyone prays. No, I come to pray because I realise more and more how much I need him, how much I need him to guide me. And so this psalm, I think, will help us as we do that. We press in on, in faith, through prayer. So six observations from this particular psalm that I'm going to just pull out very briefly. The first one (coughs) is boldness. Lord, hear my prayer, listen to my cry, for mercy, in your faithfulness and righteousness, come to my relief. Yeah, we press on in prayer by recognizing that our, that that we need to approach God and we can approach God boldly. Yeah, it's boldness. There's a boldness about our approach. However, it then says, "Do not bring your servant into judgment, for no one living is righteous before you." So I approach God boldly but I also approach God aware of my sin yeah and that tempers the boldness so the boldness doesn't can't become some sort of arrogance or casualness that I just sort of wander in I'm, I'm boldly coming I'm confidently coming but I'm coming aware aware of my need of him you find that with David he comes to God boldly but often he comes humbly he comes submitted he comes surrendered and that's how we need to come to God. If you're going to press on in prayer, in, in faith through prayer, you need to come to God boldly. But you don't come arrogantly, you come aware of the sin in your life. But you don't come to God, you're not righteous. The righteousness of someone else's in which you're clothed. And you're aware of your sin. Although there is this standing that we have in terms of our righteousness before Christ, we are aware of our daily sin and the way our daily struggle with sin. So we come boldly, but we become aware. And that awareness tempers the boldness that we come with. Secondly, we press on in prayer, in in faith, through prayer, by admitting the reality that outside pressures squeeze the inner person. Yeah, Practical pressures bother us. They hassle us. Here, David talks about the enemy pursuing him. He crushes me to the ground. He makes me dwell in the darkness like those long dead. In some ways, what he's describing there is the fact that Saul was after him, after his life. He ends up in a cave, hiding. He's dwelling in the darkness. Yeah? Outside pressures were coming, and what happens when they came? His spirit grew faint, and his heart was dismayed. Now, I know, because this is me, 
that so many, so often, outside pressures and outside logistical issues trouble me so much that my heart can get dismayed. Yeah? Practical things that go wrong. Oh, well, the devil's against me. Everything's going wrong today. I had one of those days yesterday. I said to my love at the end of the day, it's all gone wrong today, my love. She was like, well, yeah. I needed a bit more than that. It's all, it's all gone wrong because, because we live in a practical world. We live in a logistical world. You, you go through things and you think, oh, this person had a go at me. That didn't go right. That didn't happen. And then you can feel dismayed in your heart. You can feel like, oh, it's all going wrong. God, are you in this? Are you, aware? Are you around? Yeah? You can feel that. For David, it was being pursued by enemies. But for us, it's the reality of outside pressures putting, putting it's affecting the inner person. Yeah? And we can all get affected by that. Circumstances, situations can cause me to get anxious and stressed. It's at moments like that that I need to learn to press on in faith in prayer. I keep going. I don't change the routine because, oh, at the moment, it's all a little bit difficult. It's a bit like, I suppose, a sports player who gets an injury and they can no longer do what they once did and they're injured. The frustration they feel, the depression that they sometimes feel, we can feel that spiritually. Sometimes we can just spiritualize it and think, oh, it's all attack, it's attack, it's attack. But sometimes it's just practical things. It's just life, circumstances. They hit us. And we need to be aware that they impact our inner person. And so one of the ways we protect our inner person is through prayer. We bring it to God. Because life is more than the practical. We must remember that. Life is more than the logistical. Life is more than the circumstance. You can neither determine everything in your life through the circumstances, either good or for bad. You can't say because it all goes well, God is with me. And because it's not all going well, God isn't with me. It doesn't work like that. Thirdly, through meditation. I remember the days of long ago. I meditate on all your works and consider what your hands have done. I spread out my hands to you. I thirst for you like a parched land. We press on in faith through prayer when we meditate on God's goodness and faithfulness to us in the past, which makes us look to him now and in the future. So I look back. Sometimes you need to look back. If you're going to press on in prayer, sometimes you need to look back. And you need to see where God has been faithful to you. You need to remind yourself of what he has done for you. So let's pause for a moment. I'm just going to ask you for a moment just to close your eyes where you are. Just pause for a moment. And I want you to think of three things that God has done for you, given to you, shown you over the last, what, 12 months, say. Just three things. God's done this. Just, just think about it for a moment. And I just want you to thank him. Just say thank you, God. Thank you. And I want to encourage you to tell somebody, not now, but just tell somebody what God has done. The reason is that if you do that, if you think about your past and what God has done, it will make you open your hands to him now. Yeah, Because some of us, we're not thinking about what God has done, and we're back into the routine of we're sorting it out. I'm doing it, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. 
We're not opening our hands to God. I spread out my hands to you. I thirst for you like a parched land. Some of us need to be reminded of what God has done in order that we can remember what God will do. Yes, he's proved his faithfulness in the past. He will prove it again in the future. We need to look at that as individuals and as a church. So when we gather as a church on those Tuesday nights to pray, I'm sure one of the things that we will do is we'll look back at what God has done in order that we can look forward with more confidence about what he's going to do. We'll meditate on his goodness and his grace to us. So we meditate. Fourthly, we press on in faith through prayer when we trust him. And we trust him when we recognise that sometimes the answer to our prayers is simply the reassurance of his love. It's not what we've actually asked for. So you might pray, God, I need you to give me a job. You might pray that prayer again and again. And what you find is that, oh, I don't seem to be getting a job, but God has reminded me of his love for me. For me. He's, he's given me peace. He's given me a sense of comfort. Verse 7 says, answer me quickly, Lord. My spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me or I will be like those who go down to the pit. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love for I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go for to you I entrust my life. Sometimes we need to understand that the answer to the prayer is God. It's not the Porsche, it's not the wife, it's not the husband, it's not the job, it's God. The answer to the prayer is God. It's his presence, his, it's his unfailing love. We, we worship today and we sang about his unfailing love towards us. Sometimes you can get to the point where other things don't actually matter too much. I'm not saying you're there all the time, but sometimes you can get there. God is the answer. And the moment you realise that God is the answer, the up and downness of all the circumstances don't bother you so much. They're still there, but they don't bother you so much. So fifthly, we press on in faith through prayer when we stay in God's will, because there we are most protected from the enemy. We need his guidance. Rescue me from my enemies, Lord, for I hide myself in you. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. When I first read this particular verse, I, I just sort of switched it round. And I remember thinking to myself, as God teaches me his will, he keeps me safe. Yeah? And, and for, for all of us, the will of God and understanding the will of God is massive. It's one of the biggest things for the Christian. How do I know whether it's God? How do I know if God called me here? Has God called me there? Guidance is a big thing. Guidance is a big thing for us. And what this passage is telling us is that God will teach you his will. And he does it through his spirit. And he also just does it through teaching you his word. And in doing so, he rescues you from your enemies so that you can hide yourself in him. And I think it's so important that we get this. It's so important. And I was reminded of when uh, <coughs> we were going through the series on Abraham. And you remember on one occasion I talked about Lot. And I talked about when Lot and Abraham, when they sort of separated. 
and, uh, and Abraham says, Lot, you go, go where you want to go. And what it says, it's really interesting. It says that Lot looked up and he looked out and he saw that the, 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 the plains of Sodom were great to the eye. That's what it says. He saw, he saw this wonderful area and he thought, I'm going there. I'm going there. And, and then it says, like just a few verses later, it talks about, but Lot didn't, what he didn't realise was um, Sodom was a wicked place. Yeah? So what we get from that, when it comes to guidance, what we get from that is Lot simply looked at the externals. That's all he looked at. On the outside, that looked the perfect place to be. It looked the absolute place to be. It was well-watered, the well-watered plains of Sodom. They looked wonderful to him. You'll remember again the story of Eve. It says, it says Eve looked at the apple and she saw that it was pleasing to the eye. David looked at Bathsheba and thought, whoa. Yeah, he looked. And sometimes we look. And all we see is what we see with our eyes. We don't recognize anything else. And yet these examples tell us, Lot particularly, it tells us, ah, oh, but the people of Sodom were wicked. They were wicked. But all Lot saw was the good stuff. And I thought about that. And I realized that sometimes that's how we make our decisions. We just see stuff. We think, that looks perfect. That house, that guy, that guy, that, they just look perfect. They, they saw. And off the back of that, we make a decision. And yet Lot didn't realize he was moving into a dangerous place. Because it's not just about what you see with the eye. So guidance is not simply about God opening a door that you can see and you go, okay, I'm going to walk through that door that God's opened. There is more to it than that. And if we don't get that there is more to it than that, we end up like Lot ended up. You see, Lot ended up leaving Sodom with nothing except his two daughters in a perverted relationship. He went to Sodom wealthy. He left Sodom devastated. And you can think to yourself, oh, but surely God wouldn't do that. God's too gracious to that. God gave us free wills to choose. And it, that, that choice wasn't just about, do I become a Christian or do I not become a Christian? Every day you have a choice. You and I have a choice. Are we going to follow his way or are we going to follow another way? Am I going to go on the plains of Sodom and go, aren't they wonderful? I'll go there. Guidance requires us to be coming to him. Teach me your ways, God. When you're not sure where to go, pray. Teach me your will, O oh God. Guide me by your good spirit. Lead me on level ground. Even if I, don't, even if I think to myself, oh, that doesn't seem, teach me your ways. Because if you do that, then you're safe. That's what it says. If you do that, so the answer to Lot was he, he needed to pray and God would have kept him safe. If you don't do that, you're in danger, genuine danger. Even though you're a Christian, you love Jesus and there's grace and all that, you are in danger because you can choose. So if you want to press on in faith through prayer, you need to stay in God's will because that's where you're most protected. And then finally, I said it wasn't going to be long. It's the reputation. We press on in faith through prayer when we acknowledge how important God's name is to God. I.e., he doesn't do all these wonderful things for you simply because 
he loves you. He does do it because he loves you, but he also does it because it's about his name. It's about his name demonstrated to the world around. For your name's sake, Lord, preserve my life. So for your name's sake, save me. Yeah? Save me. In your righteousness, bring me out of trouble. In your unfailing love, silence my enemies. Destroy all my foes, for I am your servant. You see, one of the things, and, and, and Abraham got this, Moses, they, they got this. They understood that for God to bless his people and for his people to be faithful and following him, that, that brought him glory. It made other people look in and go, whoa, who is this God? It brought something to his name, which is why Moses talks about, don't send us, because if you don't go with us, God, what are people going to say about you? We're your people. What are people going to say about you if you don't go with us? His reputation matters. It's more important to him than we are, and we're very important to him. But his namesake, his glory, it's more important to him. Now, to us, that looks selfish, but we're not God. We're not God. It's about him. It reminds us it's about him. It's not about you. It's not about me. He's affecting his own glory, and he does that through the way he blesses us. So we press on in faith through prayer when we acknowledge how important his name is. We acknowledge the importance of being guided by him. And that's how we get protected. By recognising that sometimes the answers to our prayers are simply his love, his reassurance of his love or his peace. That he's not ready to exact his will at that point. We do it by meditating on what he has done which means that we become open to what he will do. We do it by recognising the practical pressures impact our inner being and that by coming to him boldly in prayer, we're aware when we do that of the sin. So I ask you, what? You know, I'm encouraging you to press on in faith through prayer. What do you need to pray for? What in your life do you need to bring to him? What are the things, what are the areas that you need to go, do you know what, uh, I, I need to know, God, I, I need you here. I'm, I'm, I'm not responding in this situation how I should respond. I'm responding in this situation with anxiety and with stress, or I'm responding in this situation through human endeavour. I am sorting it. I'll let you know when I've done it. Yeah? What areas do you need to bring to him? What what faith goals can you give yourself over the summer just for your own life? Oh, yeah, I need to pray through that. I need to come to him. I want to be protected. And as a church, what areas do we want to pray over? What, what are we going to be doing beyond the summer? That means we want to just pray into that. We want to come to God and ask him. We're just going to respond. It's really simple today. It's really simple. You see, some of us need help to press on in faith 
through prayer. We need help. This is not a, a message I could have brought a year or two years ago at the church because we just weren't there. It's, you know, we, just, we just weren't at that stage where the pressing on bit was where we were at. But we're there, I think. I feel we're there. But this is where you do your extra training over the summer. You don't give up. You, you press on a bit more. In fact, you press in a bit more. You do more than you might have done. Not because, oh, the pastor said, but because that's how you hear him. That's how you learn to trust him then. And I know, because just because I'm human, but all of us, there's probably not one person here who doesn't get anxious and stressed about stuff. Purely practical stuff. You get anxious and stressed about it. There's not one of us here that hasn't on occasions, through human endeavour, tried to sort stuff. Whether you respond or not, that's, that's true, because that's all of us. And I'd be very surprised, and I'd want to talk to you if you were saying to me, actually, Owen, I'm, I'm a bit different to that. That's not me. That's all of us. So we're going to respond to him this morning. And we're going to believe that he wants to give us something in terms of a passion to pray, a desire to pray. And I can say from my own experience, I can, that he, he just speaks in ways you never would imagine. He reveals things I never would have thought. He brings answers to problems that I thought, oh my goodness, I, ne I never even knew there was an answer to that thing. I thought I just had to live with it. And he brings stuff, I think, gosh. And when he does that, that's when you realize your arms go out to him. And you're worshiping. You're just worshiping. And you're, and you're like, God, you're more gracious than I ever realized you were. You're more compassionate than I ever would have thought. Ever would have thought. He wants to protect you from making silly mistakes. He wants to protect you from doing a lot, from doing an Eve, from doing a David, where you look up, you look out, and with your own eyes you see something that is really attractive to you, and you go, I'm going to go for that. He wants to protect you from that, because that is devastating. That is dangerous. And yet, he wants to teach you his will. And he wants to give you his good spirit to lead you on level ground. That's what he wants to do. So we're just going to, I suppose, sing a response. And I'll pray, sing a response. And then if you, if you think to yourself, do you know what I need? I need help to press on in faith. Then I'm just going to encourage you just, just to come out here. And we're just going to pray together maybe. Just bring it to God. The coming out is your act of, I, I want to do this. I want to do this. So these next few weeks, these six or seven weeks of the summer, don't become weeks where you and God just sort of separate for a little bit, but rather they become weeks where you press into him a bit more. You come out of it and you're just a bit closer. Just a bit closer. You're a bit more reliant upon him. So let's stand together. I'm just going to pray and then we'll sing. Because God is, God is here with us. And again, we all know that to be true just because of our experience in worship. That's not just a, a phrase we use here. It's the truth. It's the reality of our experience. God is here with us. Stretch out your hands to him.
Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come. I ask that you would come, just be upon each one of us, Lord. I pray for every person here to, to hear you speak to them in the way that they need to hear you speak to them. I pray for this moment we would switch off that parts of our mind which rationalizes and justifies everything, explains everything, and we just come to you in trust. We recognize the need. We recognize on our, in our own strength, we can't do this. I can tell you now, in your own strength, you will not do this. You need help. You need help. And so, Father, we, we pray that you would come to us. So just encourage you just to come forward as we sing and you can stand, kneel. If you just want to come and you're saying, God, I need help to press on in faith through prayer. I need help. So as we worship together, you come.